Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Now at the end of the previous broadcast, I was talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. In verse 10, it says, Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord... A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. And this is what I was talking about at the end of the previous program. I was explaining that if you look at this, the Lord says to a wife, we'll just start there, do not leave your husband. And then, in verse 11, it says, but even if she does... And I mentioned, what are you talking about? He says, don't do it. So if she does, then she has just violated the command of God. Let's throw rocks at her until she's dead. Is that what we should be thinking? That's what I mean. He says, listen, if you're married, don't leave your husband. But if you do leave your husband, then he has more to say. Your state has changed. He will continue to have a relationship with the wife. He will continue to speak to her about the circumstance that she is in, and he will say, but if you do depart, then live this way. Now, what would happen if she got remarried? And you might wonder, well, how could she do that? He says, stay unmarried or be reconciled with your husband. How can we consider what would happen if she disobeyed what he said and got married? Well, the same way we could say that she disobeyed what he said in verse 10 and left her husband. The same thing. So first, he says, don't leave her husband, and she leaves her husband. Then he says, okay, stay unmarried. And then maybe she gets married. She doesn't do that either. Then what does he say? Well, it doesn't say here, but I can tell you what he probably would say according to the law from what I know about our God. He would say, Stay married. Stay married. And if you are divorced, if you leave your husband or your husband divorces you, he would then say, do not return to your first husband. He would say something different than he would say before she got married. And in order to understand the fullness of what I have just said, you have to hear the previous programs I have produced. In this series, especially the program that I produced on Deuteronomy chapter 24, I just simply have to say that and proceed for the sake of time, that there are three different things that could easily be said by the Lord in these verses. And what I want you to see here is that this means that the Lord says, but it doesn't mean that he's going to follow it up with punishment doesn't mean that. It just means that if this is what he was asked, if this is the circumstance that a person is in, this is what he would say. And if the circumstance changes, he probably would say something different that would conform to the circumstance that they would be in. 
All right, now this is the point, and that is that if the Lord says, do not depart from your husband, that's legitimate. But the fact is that this is not all that the Lord has to say. This is one thing that he would say. He would say something else that may seem like a contradiction. But it isn't if you understand that he is having a relationship with a person and that he is living a life with them as they are living their lives. And regardless of the decisions that they make, he will still be with them and he will still address the circumstances that they are in regardless of what those circumstances are. So I want you to see that the theme here is that this is not all that God has said. For example, consider verse 11 where it says, But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now look at verse 11. You can easily look at that and say, Okay, there it is, the absolute statement of God A husband is not to divorce his wife. He doesn't even give any options if he does divorce his wife, like he did with the woman. He doesn't give any options at all. Can we imply that if he divorces his wife, then he should remain unmarried or be reconciled with his wife? Or if he does get remarried, then he should stay married? We can continue with that because the point is... Yes, this is what the Lord said. This is what I would expect him to say. The Lord said, Husbands, do not divorce your wives, but this is not all that he has said. He has also said that the husband has the authority and the freedom to divorce his wife, just as a wife has the authority and the freedom to divorce her husband, as I have explained in previous programs. This is very important. So the Lord said this, but this is not all that he has had to say about this. I just wanted to mention that, that I believe this is how we should read verses 10 and 11. And then in verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. Pay attention to that. You could look at this from the point of view of, the Lord hasn't said this, but If he was asked this kind of a question, or if he was confronted with this kind of a circumstance, I would expect that this is what he would say. But in this case, I believe the emphasis should be placed on the fact that Paul is going to say things to people, and they should take it from the point of view of Paul saying it, not necessarily from the point of view of the Lord is saying it, that it is acceptable to hear what he has to say and to consider it in that context, that they can consider what he says as if it is the word of the Lord, or they can consider it as if it is not the word of the Lord, but it definitely is a good way to look at the situation they are in. And this is good counsel that a person should consider, and they should try to find a way to apply it in their circumstance or in their life. I do believe that we can perceive it that way and that it is acceptable to see the differentiation that Paul makes between what the Lord would say, even though it's not all that the Lord would say, and what Paul is going to say, even though it's not all that he would say either. So instead of being so concerned about whether this is God's commandment or not, instead I'd like to 
focus on the beginning of verse 12 for just a moment, where it says, but to the rest, I. Now, to the rest, who? Who? Who's the rest? I mean, in verse 10 and 11, he speaks of people who are married, right? So if they're married, they're married. Now, if you keep reading, you're going to see him differentiate between an unbelieving spouse and a believing spouse, things like that. But is that really a good description of the rest? I don't think so. I don't think that when he says, but to the rest, that he's talking about the rest of the people. Because all of the people can fit into verse 10 and 11 just fine. I mean, if you look at verse 10 and 11, he doesn't say anything about whether people believe in Jesus or not. It's just, if you're married, stay married. And if you depart, stay unmarried. And husbands, don't divorce. I mean, everybody can fit into that. Why does he have to say in verse 12, but to the rest? There is no rest. That's everybody. Now, what people do is they say, well, this must mean an exception. And I just don't see that. I don't think so. I don't think that he's saying that those other people are exceptions. You know, if you're married, but your spouse doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, then you fit into this new category, this new classification of special married people, special people. You know, you're not like other people who are either both unbelievers or both believers. Perhaps that's what verse 10 and 11 is for, right? I don't think so. I don't see that here at all. So people will look at the following verses and say, but there are exceptions. You know, if one of the spouses is an unbeliever and they want to depart, then let them depart. Well, in verse 11, the Lord lets them depart. In verse 11, but even if she does depart, he doesn't say, refer to verse 10, don't depart. He doesn't say that. He just simply goes on. And so if we look at the following verses as if they are the exceptions to the rule, then we can just start listing out all of the potential combinations of exceptions that might exist, and then we can create this graph that we can follow. You know, we can put a chart up on the wall in our counseling offices and say, okay, let's start at the top and say we've got uh, two unbelievers or two believers, and then we kind of branch off from there and get down to all of these different circumstances. This is what people do, and I understand that people do that, And I understand that what I'm saying is extremely unusual in the Christian world. I understand that. And so recognize that yourself. Let's acknowledge that. Let's realize that when I say to the rest that there doesn't have to be any rest because everybody can fit into what the Lord said, that we don't need additional stuff or exceptions for these combinations of believers and unbelievers, just think about it from that point of view. If you think about it from that point of view, then who could the rest be? Who could be the rest of the people? Well, I personally believe that he's saying the rest as in the rest of the circumstances, not the rest of the people. That's just how I read this. I read this from the point of view of to the rest of the circumstances. You know, there are some circumstances such as the ones that we have described in verse 10 and 11. One circumstance, the husband and wife are still together. That's a circumstance. The next circumstance is the wife departs. That's a circumstance. Another circumstance after that could easily be what happens if she does get remarried. That's a new circumstance. What about a circumstance when the husband 
does not divorce his wife, or the circumstance when he does divorce his wife. Those are circumstances. The rest of the circumstances, not the rest of the people, but the rest of the circumstances are things that Paul is going to speak of. How about these circumstances concerning believing and unbelieving spouses? The Lord has never said anything about that. In that way, I believe that Paul can legitimately say, but to the rest, to the rest, to the rest of The people? No. The rest of the circumstances. Here we got some new circumstances that the Lord has never addressed. How does he address these new circumstances? He says, listen, if your spouse wants to leave, let him leave. Well, that's according to the law. According to the law of Moses. The law of Moses allows a spouse to depart if they want to. I explained this in previous programs. So Paul is not contradicting the law. He's not even presenting a new doctrine. He's not presenting a new law. He's not presenting anything new. He says, I say not the Lord, but what he says is stuff that the Lord already said, just not in this circumstance, not in this context. So if people want to leave, let them leave. If they want to stay, let them stay. What does this mean? This means that people should be married because they want to be. And if they don't want to be, then what kind of a marriage is that? Allow a divorce to take place. Allow people to leave. To be merciful to the one who is unwanted. This is the law. There is no difference. And so I just wanted to take some time to focus on these verses in that context so that you would see this. Now, there are some other things that really need to be mentioned here. First of all, what people should recognize is that in verse 16 he says, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? We shouldn't be married to people for the purpose of saving them. That's true. That's something that needs to be understood. Don't marry somebody because you think that if you marry them, then they're going to accept the Lord. They're going to be saved. I don't believe that that's a legitimate reason to get married. I really don't. But it's also not a legitimate reason to stay married. That's what he says. He's saying, listen, this should not be the governing decision. This should not be why a person stays married. You should not be doing this just because you believe that if you stick with it, then your spouse will be saved. You should stick with it, but for other reasons, not for this one. And so don't use this as an excuse. Don't use this as an excuse. Now, in verse 15, he says, But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. Now, what happens is, is that people will say, but if you are a believer, you are in bondage. You are not called to peace in those cases. That's what people say. And I don't see that here. Just because he says that an unbeliever is not under bondage doesn't mean automatically that a believer is in bondage. Because if you want to talk about being in bondage, if you want to talk about sin, if you want to talk about punishment or consequences, look at the law. Look at the law first 
because the law was given for that purpose. And the law provides for a person to be able to depart their marriage if they really want to. The law allows for that, whether they are a believer or not. So we cannot take this and derive a command that puts believers into bondage in a way that they will not live in peace with someone else. That's the point. God has called us to peace, and that will take higher precedence over anything. That's what he is saying here in the context of let an unbeliever depart. So also, you can allow a believer to depart if we are at risk of not being able to live in peace. Listen, folks, if you are married, by all means, do everything possible to live in peace with one another. But if this is not going to happen and the situation is so severe that not only will it never happen, There is no honor before God in claiming that you are doing so in order not to live in peace so that you can claim the higher ground of being obedient to God. There is no place for that. Now, folks, listen, if you have no hope of ever living in peace in your marriage, I still think that you should still stick with it. I do. I will tell you that. I will tell you, even though you have no hope of ever living in peace, if you can find a way to do it, do it. Stay with it. Stick with it. Things may change just before you die, or they may not. Who knows? Marriage is about much more than just finding a way to live in peace. There is a lot that can be said about this subject, but we cannot use it as an excuse to abuse other people. That's what he's talking about. Do not forbid what God has permitted. Do not do that. God has permitted people to be free. He has permitted people to live in peace. And if they cannot function in the circumstance that they are in, he has made a way, he has made an allowance for people to make changes in their lives. Do not forbid them from doing so. Now, there is something else that needs to be addressed here. And that is that people will look at these verses from a different point of view. They will look at these verses from the point of view of a believer who is wanting out of their marriage. Not just from the point of view of unbelievers wanting out of the marriage, but what happens if a believer does not want to be married to an unbelieving spouse? Then what? What happens then? You know, we have a circumstance here where the unbeliever is free, but what about the believer? Now, I've spoken about this from the point of view of the law, but let me talk about this from another point of view right now. And that is to say that sometimes believers want out of their marriages. They want out. And they will say that it is because their spouse is an unbeliever. Now, let me explain something to you. And that is that there are many people in the world who are not believers, and they have pretty good marriages, as marriages are. They stay together. They don't get divorced. A marriage is much more than what people think in many cases. What happens sometimes is that when a person discovers who the Lord is, then they want a different kind of marriage than what they had before. Now, what they had before was a marriage to the extent that it was. And so if you have found yourself in a situation where you want a different kind of marriage... If that is what is happening, 
then that is an issue that you and the Lord are going to have to talk about. You're going to have to deal with that and recognize that you may never have the kind of marriage that you want to have. And believe it or not, if the circumstance arises where you find yourself being unmarried, either because your spouse dies or because your spouse leaves you, you might marry a believer and still not have the kind of marriage that you want to have. And so when a believer talks about wanting to leave their spouse or wanting their spouse to leave them because they want to have a different kind of marriage, folks, just because your spouse leaves you and you get one who is a believer doesn't mean that you're going to have the kind of marriage that you want to have. It won't mean that. And you had better believe me when I tell you that, because if you don't believe me, then you might actually use that as an excuse to divorce your spouse, then marry a believer, and then find out for yourself that you're not going to have the kind of marriage that you thought you were going to have anyway. And so I'm trying to save you some pain and suffering and to help you understand that marriage is much more than that. It's much more than that. Not to say that it's much less than that. It is much more. More than that, and this is as far as I can go because I'm trying not to talk about the subject of marriage in these programs on divorce and remarriage. I do have a lot to say about that. I'm just not going to do that here. Please consider this, though, that sometimes believers are looking for a way out of their marriage. That's what they're doing. They're looking for a way out of their marriage. And so this is what happens. They're trying to find a justification for divorce, and unfortunately, one of the motives behind this is because they want to have some Christian marriage that they think that they will be able to have if they dump this spouse. So what do they do? What happens quite often is that if they want the marriage to end, then they will declare, they will declare their spouse to be an unbeliever. That's what happens. They will declare their spouse to be an unbeliever and then they will make their spouse as miserable as possible in some cases, directly or indirectly, intentionally or not. It doesn't matter. They will find some way, it seems, to make their spouse as miserable as possible so that their spouse will leave and then they can declare that they are free because their spouse left voluntarily, right? Their spouse left, their spouse divorced them, so they are free, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, they are now free because their unbelieving spouse left. Now, why would they want their unbelieving spouse to leave? I'll tell you why. In general, it's because their unbelieving spouse is sinning. That's why, right? They want their unbelieving spouse to leave their life because they're sinning, either because of their unbelief or maybe... There is some other specific sin that they believe that a believing spouse would never commit, which, of course, is complete fantasy. Whether a person is a believer or an unbeliever doesn't have anything to do with the manifestation of sin in their flesh. Believers struggle with the same sins as unbelievers struggle with. There is no difference because the flesh is still the flesh. That's the point. They will declare their unbelieving spouse who sins, they will declare them to be the ones who have set them free so that they are free to marry somebody else. But what happens if their spouse is a believer? How about that? 
What happens if their spouse is a believer? Well, then they will say that it is because of their sin that they will depart from them. You see, if their spouse is an unbeliever who sins, they will depart from them or find some way to end the marriage because they are an unbeliever. But if they are a believer, they will then try to find a way to end the marriage because of the sin. And they use that as leverage in order to declare themselves to be free. And I just don't think that this was the intent of the Apostle Paul. I really don't. And so I just don't go there, folks. I just don't go there. This is where everybody else goes. If you want to hear about that, you can hear that from anybody. I mean, there is an abundance of people who talk about, well, let's see, let's see what the circumstance was in your divorce. Were, uh, were, were you married to somebody who was a believer or an unbeliever? And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. That's my point. People are using that as an excuse. That's why it matters. They're trying to find an excuse. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter because if your person is a believer or an unbeliever, they're still struggling with sin. You know, you might be married to an unbeliever who struggles with sins that you can tolerate. And then you divorce them or they divorce you because you made them so miserable and so that you can marry someone who is a believer and then you find out that your new believing spouse struggles with sins that you cannot tolerate. Then what? Then what are you going to do? Well, in many cases, people then will say, I'm going to divorce my believing spouse because of their sin. Just as I divorced my unbelieving spouse because they were an unbeliever. You understand? People are looking for excuses, and I'm not here to give anybody excuses. I'm not here to give permission or to forbid or to give people a way of justifying their personal failures in their life. Instead, this is the bottom line. You acknowledge the fact that you failed in your marriage. And when you do, you will be able to begin a new life from there. But do not live your new life on the basis of excuses. Live your new life on the acknowledgement of failure and rebuild from there. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net